Welcome back to this week's episode of the One Play Sports Podcast. My name is David Hevener, and I'm the host of the show. We have another really exciting interview for this week's episode surrounding social media and the game of baseball. But before I get into the interview, I quickly want to recap what's been going on in the sports world this past week. First off, I'm going to start with the NFL Bill Belichick had a very busy week this past week as the Patriots made a big splash in the free agent market for the first time in quite a while. Along with re-signing quarterback Cam Newton, they also went out and got the two best tight ends on the free agent market in Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. They also added some talented defensive players and wide receivers. The Patriots were also able to add some depth at the offensive line by bringing back captain and center David Andrews. He's been the anchor of that line for a while, and it's going to be great to have him still calling the shots going forward with the offensive line. The Patriots were able to significantly boost their talent at a lot of positions that were just not there a season ago. Saints quarterback Drew Brees also announced officially that he is retiring from the game of football and will be going into the broadcast booth with NBC doing Sunday Night Football. He is one of the all-time great quarterbacks that have ever thrown the football. He is the only quarterback in NFL history to have multiple 5,000 yards passing seasons. He currently holds the all-time passing yards and touchdown records. NFL free agency is still currently going on as well. There has been a lot of movement around the league as teams are preparing for the upcoming season and the NFL draft as well in April. The NCAA men's and women's Division I basketball tournaments are currently going on in Indianapolis and San Antonio, Texas. There were a lot of first-round upsets in the men's tournament such as number 15 Oral Roberts defeated number two Ohio State, number 14 seeded Abilene Christian upset number three Texas, number 13 North Texas upset Purdue, and number 13 Ohio University upset the University of Virginia. Syracuse was also a team that was close to not even making the tournament prior to Selection Sunday, but now they found themselves in the Sweet 16 after knocking off San Diego State in West Virginia. The Big Ten originally came into the tournament with nine teams and only Michigan is still standing in the Sweet 16. The Sweet 16 is scheduled to start on Saturday, March 27th. Tournament upsets don't just live on the men's side of college basketball, though. Number 13, Wright State delivered the largest first round upset in nine years for the women's NCAA tournament as they knocked out Number four, Arkansas, 66 to 62. Number 12 seeded Belmont University also upset number five, Gonzaga, 64 to 59 in the first round as well. The women's tournament just concluded the round of 32 and their sweet 16 is also scheduled to start on the same day as the men and Saturday, March 27th. The NCAA also came under some hot water this past week on social media as it was made very clear that the men's basketball tournament participants got a lot better facilities in regard to a weight room than the women did. Also, in regard to the tournament swag that each player and coach would get at their respective tournaments, the men got a lot more different stuff than the women. And this was a hot topic on Twitter this past week. Multiple brands such as Dick Sporting Goods stepped up and offered their services to create a weight room for the women that would be comparable to what the men got in Indianapolis. 
the NCAA senior vice president of basketball, Dan Gabbett, put out a statement saying, and I quote, I apologize to the women's basketball student athletes, to the coaches and the women's basketball committee for dropping the ball, frankly, on the weight room issue in San Antonio. End quote. The NCAA, with help from different organizations, was able to fix the weight room issue in San Antonio, and they had the issue resolved within 24 hours. The NBA and NHL seasons are currently half over at this point as teams are gearing up for a playoff push towards the end of their respective seasons. Some tough news came out for the Charlotte Hornets this past week as rookie guard LaMelo Ball fractured one of the bones in his wrist as he took a fall during the loss to the Clippers last Saturday night. The frontrunner candidate for rookie of the year is out indefinitely as the Hornets are currently in the sixth seed of the Eastern Conference. It was reported that LaMelo had a successful surgery this week and he will be reevaluated in four weeks to see where he's at in his recovery and if he will be able to come back this year later on if the Hornets make a playoff run. MLB opening day is right around the corner as well. It is one week away as this episode is dropping on Thursday, March 25th. Spring training has been a success so far this year as there have been no glaring COVID outbreaks surrounding any of the clubs throughout spring training so far. And that's what's been going on in the sports world this past week. And with that being said, let's get into the interview. This week's guest is someone who has experience working within the game of baseball. Lauren Plume spent two seasons working with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim and Major League Baseball. Lauren graduated from Cal Poly State University with her bachelor's in journalism. And while she was there, she also served as the baseball team's social media manager. I'm really excited to have her on the show. Please welcome Lauren Plume. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, Lauren, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself so they can get to know you a little bit? Yeah. Um, so I was born and raised in California. Just kind of a quick overview. Never left the state. Um, I have always been like a huge sports fanatic growing up. It was kind of funny because my parents weren't really into watching sports, but somehow I grew an affinity for it and have always been a huge like hockey and baseball fan specifically. Went to Cal Poly and San Luis Obispo, got on with the baseball team there, which was really exciting because we had a pretty good I mean, Big West has a pretty good baseball program in general, but Cal Poly was really good when I was there for the first couple of years. So it was kind of cool to be a part of that environment and then grew my passion for the game. Uh, Thankfully landed with the Angels after college, a little bit of a break from sports between that. But now I just live in Long Beach. Uh, I love going to the beach. Biking is kind of like my uh, kickboxing. This is some stuff I do in my spare time. So it's a little bit about me trying to think if there's anything else. Let me know if I covered it. Yeah, I think that's good. So what led your desire to work in the sports industry? Was it something that has always been like a specific goal or was it just something, was there something specific that led into that decision? And did you play any sports growing up? I have always like been into sports. I didn't necessarily think that it was going to be like a career 
thing for me. I played volleyball in high school, played soccer growing up as well, and did track and field. Um, and then when I got to Poly, I also played volleyball there for two years for their university team. And I did track and field for a season at Poly and beach volleyball. So I kind of like ran the whole gambit with sports at, at that university. Um, so it's always been an interest of mine, but I never really saw it as something that was potentially a career until I got into journalism. And I was like, okay, this is kind of now what I want to do with my life because I discovered that I didn't really want to work in anything else. And luckily paths opened up for me to get into that career because it's definitely difficult. That's probably part of the reason why initially I didn't think I would get into it is just how difficult it was to to get into the field from what I had heard. So yeah, it's definitely not something that's easy to break into. Um, no. So when you went to Cal Poly State, you originally did not start off as a journalism major. What was your original major and how hard was it to make the switch? What ultimately led you to making the decision to switch your degrees? Um, so I was originally a biomedical engineering major when I went to Cal Poly. I was in that major for three and a half years. <laughs> so it definitely was... Um, a very spur of the moment decision, kind of last minute. I kind of discovered as I got on that, A, I was not very good at engineering because I was struggling in school immensely. And it was, I wasn't passionate about it. And I kind of figured like, if I don't like it now, I'm certainly not going to like it when I'm working in it every single day. So I need to find something that I'm actually passionate about, or I'm just going to hate myself after I graduate. So I picked journalism mostly because it had the most flexibility, in my opinion. Like I could go into PR, I could go into social media, I could do broadcasts. There's a lot of different options in that sense. And they seem to be the most open to me switching to that department, just because my GPA was pretty low at the time um, from years of not really caring about my major. Uh, and I assured them, I was like, Hey, like I'll do whatever it takes to get into this major. They really helped me out. They said, as long as you get over like a 3.2 this next quarter in journalism classes, like you can switch majors. So I switched, I did a year and a half of journalism. So I graduated in five years, which had been my plan all along. Um, because engineering was a five-year plan anyways. So I was able to finish the journalism program in a year and a half. But yeah, I was just drawn to it because I was then like, okay, this is my chance. Like now I can actually go into sports. And I had been working for the baseball team while I was an engineering major, which was more of just like a fun thing for me to do. It didn't really have any application for me in the future. And then I was like, well, now this has like huge like implications for me going forward. It's something I could put on my resume to potentially get me a job in the future in journalism. So really thankful that I did that. So what led you to the opportunity with the baseball team while you were in school? And like, what were your typical responsibilities during that role? And just what was your favorite part about being a part of that team? Yeah, um, I started doing that my junior year of college, they put out a tweet saying, hey, we're looking for student managers. So I jumped at the chance because I had just finished my time playing sports at Poly and was kind of sad without it and not being a part of their athletic department anymore. So I went and I interviewed with the coaches. The duties with that were mostly just like stat keeping and scorekeeping during the game initially. That's kind of what we're doing sometimes like equipment organization, those kind of things. As I kept working for them, the duties evolved into social media management uh, in the last two seasons that I was there. So I was doing that for them taking photos during the games. In the last season, my fifth year of school, we actually traveled, me and one of the other managers traveled with the team. My favorite part of that was definitely traveling with the team and felt like you were 
a part of what they were doing. It wasn't like our best season ever, but it was super fun. We got to go to Hawaii with the team. It was, it was awesome. It was a very oh. cool, unique experience to have during college. Oh, that's awesome. Take a trip to Hawaii for school. Yeah, for work, work trip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. After college, you ended up taking a social media manager position for a local hotel in the town where you went to school. How did you end up getting that position? And how did this position prepare you for your eventual goal to work in professional sports? So I had worked at a front desk uh, in a, at a hotel for like three years before I got that job. It was like my actual like paying job that I had while I was in college. So I was in the hospitality industry and I saw when I was graduating was kind of panicking, didn't have a job lined up. And I saw that that had opened up and I was like, Hey, it's a small hotel. Like a management title would be really good. Like a professional management title would be really good on my resume. So I emailed them, uh, got on doing like hotel management and social media management for them. And it definitely didn't have like a ton of direct applications, I would say. But as far as like customer service goes, like that's still something that's applicable when you're running social accounts. Um, it's a little different because like I think for at least most pro teams now, it's a little sarcastic or you're like kind of more playful, whereas a hotel is like very much like very strictly professional. So oh, for sure. uh, I think that part of it is like learning how to just continue to speak to people and like be a good customer service agent essentially uh, was definitely super applicable going forward. So you ended up getting an internship with the Angels in 2019. What were your typical responsibilities for that internship? Yeah. So for the internship portion specifically, I helped with game notes. Uh, like this is like every on the everyday basis. We did game notes, uh, minor league reports, daily clips, stat packets, all those kind of things. Those are like my daily duties, especially during games, uh, was compiling all of that information. Aside from that, answering the phone, talking to fans, any call that came to Angels that like couldn't be directly answered by like ticketing or like something like that, customer service, was directed to the communications department. So we got a lot of like really odd phone calls, for lack of a better word. Uh, just people that like are mad at the manager or are mad at the general manager. And it's like, we can't do anything about it, but I'll happily listen to you be angry on the phone. It's fine. Um, yeah. But like yeah, when, so that was, <laughs> that was funny. But yeah, like when people tweet at like social media accounts, it's like, guys, we just put out the social media. Like we don't have any say as to what the coach is actually doing or like something like that, you know? Yeah. It's like, I don't have a direct pipeline to go to our general manager and be like, yo, like, so like Jimmy from Oklahoma is mad about the lineup you put out today. Like, that's, that's not yeah. how it works. Yeah, exactly. So when you were doing the internship, you ended up also getting a position within Major League Baseball. What was that position and was it difficult to manage? You did both for the 2019 season and then in the 2020 season, I believe you just did the um, MLB position. What was involved with the MLB position? Like, how did you get it? And was it difficult to manage working both of those jobs at the same time? time yeah so the in-game coordinator role was not only something that mlb kind of like had to approve of the person but more importantly the team had to approve of the person because that like whoever the igc was for whatever team would be working directly with the team not really as much with mlb and the angels were always a little bit particular about who they had running their social account so they wanted somebody i believe internal to do it and so they already had the internship and i was moving from the central coast to socal so they said hey you have social media on your resume we would love for you to do this. You'll still have to interview with MLB, but 
they'll basically approve you. So I kind of was like handed the role for a lack of a better word. I had the experience for it, but it was definitely a learning curve. I did not expect to be going from college to a pro team and then be running a social account at all. Like that was not in my mind as a plan. I, I was obviously like a goal, but it was a very unique opportunity. I'm very thankful for it uh, because it also helped like mon- money-wise. Like I was able to move to SoCal and not really worry too much. Uh, yeah. Being an intern, it's really hard like to oh, live yeah. on an intern wage. I'm sure everyone knows that. So Especially in California. Especially in California. But yeah, and doing both of those at the same time was, I mean, I literally felt like I got like three years of experience in one um, because I was working 80 hour weeks. Uh, and this was like self-imposed. I like working a lot it's one of my favorite things to do especially since i enjoy what i'm doing so i was at the baseball park from like 8 a.m to sometimes midnight or later uh, depending on how long the game went and i enjoyed every second of it so it could get overwhelming at times but they were very good about giving me breaks when i asked for them because they knew how much work i was doing so if i was like hey i can't do today they're like don't worry about it. We have people to cover you. So, geez, I feel that when I did my internship, it was like the same way. I mean, granted, I worked within the NBA with the Charlotte Hornets down in Charlotte, North Carolina, and game days were about, I mean, they didn't play like every day, but they had game days that were like 10 a.m. to like 1230, you know, one, like it's ridiculous. But uh, yeah, people don't understand the prep that goes into and then the post, like, part of it which is just crazy what did a typical game day look like for you doing the social media position with the angels it definitely evolved a little as time went on in 2019 it was very strictly just like from lineup being posted onwards i was just tweeting and like pulling highlights um like instagram and facebook as well but that was more of like strictly what i was doing not so much on the creative side when it went into um the 2020 season when i wasn't doing the internship i was still helping with like game notes and stuff like that because I knew how to do it and they needed help but my day-to-day was much more on the creative side like especially during spring training like I was shooting and editing photos shooting and editing video coming up with like content ideas we were working with the players to do like certain projects but then like when game time comes it's post the lineup look for cool like photos that are coming out during the game good highlights coming up with copy uh potentially like a meme here and there if you see something funny uh and then final score and that's the kind of wrapping up for the night wins and losses looked a little different losses a little quieter wins you know four or five different posts for a post-game win but that's pretty much what my day-to-day was what do you think was the most popular social media platform that you ended up managing when you were at the angels i think facebook was like very popular actually i the angels have um i would say like an older fan base so facebook definitely like was a hit a demographic there for sure i our twitter definitely was super po- more popular than our instagram um but we definitely had a pretty decent following on twitter especially you get your like super fans or whatever the people that make the meme accounts yeah that was like i mean every team has them but we had a good following of people that were very consistently interacting and like helping us you know you listen to them you come up with ideas like keeping your finger on the pulse so they were very good at interacting with us and giving us ideas to work with do you have any funny or iconic player interactions that you had during your time with them (laughs) there's there's definitely a few um one like of my favorites that comes to mind was in spring training of 2020 uh, before it was literally like two days before uh, we left for like COVID reasons. Uh, We had mic'd up one of our coaches, the first base coach, and I had to monitor like 
the sound for it but to do so i had to sit in a dugout so i was in the dugout for an entire spring training game and like everyone was like it's very clear that i am normally not there <laughs> you know what i mean i wasn't in the photo well i was literally sitting on the side like with everyone and the, some of the players like Andrew Clint Simmons, like this is one I specifically remember. He came out to me. He's like, what are you listening to? And then he would like, I was like, do you want to hear? I was like, I'm listening to Jesus Feliciano, like our first base coach right now as he like interact. And he gets on there and he like sits down next to me, puts the headphones in. And then he thought he could like talk to him. So he started talking. I was like, no, it's not like a two way situation. It's just like, I'm listening just to make sure the sound works. And I was like, do you want to be mic'd up? He was absolutely not. I do not want to be mic'd up. I was like, I'm not forcing you to get mic'd up. But yeah, no, I really enjoyed that. I don't know. I just felt like it helped me gain some like, not like footing, but like relationship with the players, just like a little bit more playful. Like I'm just there to help you and like boost your guys' presence on social media. I'm not here to like make you do things you don't want to do or make you uncomfortable. So that was a really cool experience. Yeah. That's awesome. Did you have any interactions with like Albert Pools or anything like that or um, Mike Trout? Yeah, I definitely like uh, several times with them. We mic'd, we mic'd up Mike several times or a couple times. Uh, and then Albert had his um, foundation event, which is where Mike hit that top golf ball out of the park. Um, and oh, yeah, Albert I remember actually, seeing like, that. Yeah, yeah. Albert actually invited me and one of our videographers to that because he wanted coverage for it. And that was just like super cool just to be like recognized as like people that could help him with his foundation event to like boost it. And we're thankful we were there because that video went viral. So for us, that was good for our social media, but he was just like super helpful, always very like pleasant. And I mean, just being around somebody like that is kind of iconic, like very cool. <laughs> very oh, yeah. cool person. Very good at baseball. Yeah, definitely. Kind of switching gears a little bit. During the 2019 season, a tragedy happened within the Angels organization that not impacted just the team, but the whole entire sports community. Pitcher Tyler Skaggs tragically passed away at the age of 27, which came out later to be a accidental overdose. It's still very sad nonetheless. In the Angels' first game back home after the death of their pitcher, the pitchers ended up throwing a combined no-hitter against the Mariners, and that was the first one in the state of California since Tyler Skaggs had been born, and all of the Angels players wore the number 45 for that game, which was um, Skaggs' number, and they all ended up laying their jerseys on the pitcher's mound at the end of the game. What was it like to be there for that? That must have been like a surreal moment for you, just to be able to witness something crazy like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any sports moment I will ever witness live or even on TV that will match the emotions felt during that game. I still like get emotional thinking about it, if I'm being quite honest. Um, it was surreal, for lack of a better word, uh, from like the start to the finish. And I'm sure like tons of, I mean, I know tons of like newscasters have said it from the beginning to the end, all the numbers involved with like, like his birthday and like stuff like that. Um, it was just, you couldn't ask for, um, I mean, I can't say it like a better tribute, I guess, would be the word for it. Speechless. I, I seriously, and I, I broke like a cardinal baseball rule, which I totally didn't think about in the moment of that game. I was sitting in our, I was sitting in the back, like in our video room with like some of the other like creatives on our team. And I was like, I don't want to be in this room watching on this little TV when this happens. I want to be outside if this actually is a no hitter so i moved which in retrospect i was like i'm gonna ruin this like when i got out there i was like oh my god i should not have come out here so i was sitting in the press box and the last three balls uh 
I remember one was like a comebacker, which I thought wasn't going to be an out, which they bobbled and got. And then in the last out, Lewis Renhipo bobbled the ball <laughs> at second and thankfully made the out. But it was definitely like stressful. Um, I was like, I ruined this. And then when it happened, it was just like, I, I mean, I was, everyone was crying. I was crying. I'll never forget it. Seriously. It was unbelievable. I mentioned some of these players briefly two questions ago, but the Angels organization currently has generational talents with players such as Mike Trout and Albert Pujols and Shohei Otani. What was it like to be able to see these players play on a regular basis in person? I feel like I, it, it's when you watch it all the time, it's like, I try, I always have to like kind of pinch myself to not lose appreciation because I know that people look up to these guys so much. And I always appreciate when I'm watching them, like this last season, especially like we had like three pretty major milestones from Albert between Albert and Mike. And it was, it sucked that no one was able to be there to see it. And I was like sitting there one day, we were filming for Albert's, uh, gosh, what was it? His home run that got him in the top five, was it? I Now I can't remember. Yeah. I feel bad. I'm not able to remember. I was sitting in the stands filming it and I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is crazy. This guy is a legend and we're watching history happen and there's only a few people that are here watching it. So, I mean, it's really cool to be around those people or to be around those guys all the time. Like Shohei is an incredible talent and people travel really far to see him play like the folks that come from Japan during seasons when they have fans, they spend so much money and make so much of an effort to come out and see him play. It's really, really cool. Um, the following that he has and like same with Mike Trout, like he committed to staying in Anaheim, which is awesome. And I think the fans super appreciate that. I don't know. It just, again, like not a lot of words for it, but it's very, yeah. very special. Definitely. And I looked it up. It was 661st home run to pass Willie Mays, I believe. Oh yeah. Yeah. Albert. Yeah. And then I, Mike broke our uh, franchise record. Yes. He broke our franchise record for home runs. He beat Tim Salmon out that year. Did you grow up an Angels fan too? Uh, so I wasn't raised watching baseball and my team was the Royals when I decided on a team that I was going to follow. I <laughs> luckily had a couple good seasons and it's been really not great ever since. I was, I was, a, I am a Royals fan. I, you know, when you work for a team though, it's, it's hard not to root for them. You want to see them do well. I would never oh, ever yeah. wish the Angels to do poorly. No, definitely. Like, you, I mean, you know, these guys on a personal level, so it's like, yeah. it's hard to like, be like, oh, I don't want them to do well, you know? Yeah, you, know, you want to see them succeed. Absolutely. Someone who works in social media is always looking at their phone or some sort of screen for work. It is a job that doesn't have a typical nine to five work day, especially when working in sports. Content can be posted at any time of the day because sports and life never truly stop. Is it hard to avoid burnout when using social media for both work and personal use? I think I'm really lucky in that sense because I know a lot of people struggle with that. And it's a totally valid and real thing to to struggle with. I, I don't really feel the burnout of social media. I, I don't make a conscious effort to be off my phone when I'm not working or any of that. I It doesn't bother me too much. There's certain things that bother me on social media, like when people are insensitive, uh, like when tough things happen for the team and I'm on there and people are saying really mean things, I kind of take it personally. But I think I do my best to like stay pretty detached from it. So I'm very thankful that I don't have that problem with the burnout because that would definitely make my job very difficult and much more taxing on my mental health. Kind of going off of 
that previous question. Working in social media is a lot more than just occasionally scheduling social media posts. Day-to-day responsibilities conclude everything from content creation, such as shooting video or photos, or even creating graphics, to coming up with an entire marketing strategy as to how you want to reach a specific target audience with your different posts. What is currently your favorite element of working in social media? And was there one specific part of social media that was harder to learn more than others? I would say right now, my favorite is a toss up between either fan interaction. I absolutely love responding to fans and like going back and forth with them or like the creative side. I I love actually like, like being like having my feet on the ground and shooting video and editing. I really enjoy that. Um, and we have people for that. So like I defer to them, but I love to help whenever I can. And then as far as like hardest to learn, probably like the actual like nitty gritty of social, like the analytics and like what's important and why is it important? It's more of like, I don't know how, for lack of a better word. Um, it's kind of like being back in school. Like it's just stuff you have to know and have to learn. And that's something that's a little bit diff- more difficult for me to grasp. So I'm good at like being like, Oh, these people are happy. Like they're talking to me on social media and they're having a good time and they enjoy what we're putting out. But when it comes down to it, like what is making money? How is it making us money? Like that part of it is very difficult um, for me personally, because I'm not a big numbers numbers gal. So what is one piece of advice you would want to give someone that wants to work on the social media side of sports? I definitely think that building your own social network is super important. And I learned that especially this past year before I got into like sports, I didn't really pay attention to my own Twitter and my own socials as much. But especially on Twitter, like even like, you know, it's like a huge networking platform. I use it more than LinkedIn personally. Uh, So having that, like, and then just reaching out and talking to people, like I have mentored a few different people and really enjoy Ace. Like everyone here wants to see people succeed. Like nobody, well, if they don't, they're here for the wrong reasons. But I would, I would say every sports social person wants to see younger generations succeed as well. And so just reaching out and talking to them and picking the brains of the people that are already in the field, I think is there's a wealth of knowledge there and it's super valuable. Being in the professional sports world may seem like it has a lot of glitz and glamour and don't get me wrong. There are a ton of cool perks, you know, but there's also an element that is not fun. Just like every other field, it is a business. Lauren, along with 25 other very talented content creators ended up losing their jobs because the MLB ended up eliminating their positions within the organizations this past February. The pandemic has caused a lot of people to lose their jobs from all lines of work, not just professional sports. Having personally gone through something tough like this situation recently, do you have any advice for someone that might be going through something similar? Yeah. I mean, first of all, like keep your head up and know your worth. Like every single one of my coworkers that got laid off was some of the best like in the field that I know and so it doesn't like necessarily it's and that's a little discouraging to know that like some very very talented people were let go it doesn't matter how good they were they still lost their jobs luckily got picked most people are getting picked up pretty quickly but yeah definitely knowing your worth and knowing that you're a talented individual is super important that'll help you when you're interviewing, like having that confidence to know, it's not cockiness. It's like having confidence to know that like you are good at what you do um, and you are talented and that any team would be lucky to have you. Have you had any luck in the job search? Yeah, actually. Um, yeah. I recently, I just got a job offer. It's not in the sports 
realm anymore, but it's in entertainment. Um, I'm going to be starting in a week here with a company called Crispy Chicken and they're a social media marketing agency. Um, and I'm really excited. I'm going to be a social media producer for them. Uh, and I'm starting that next week. Oh, that's awesome. Kind of going off of this past question, one thing that I've realized over this past year is that the sports creative community is a very supportive community. Having been a part of this community for a little while, can you speak to what the sports creative community has meant to you over your time in the industry? Yeah, I mean, especially now, like it's just, it's a community. And when we got laid off, like speaking for me specifically, it's like sent out a tweet saying that I had gotten laid off with my portfolio. And I mean, the amount of people that like had our back and like came to support us and not just with words, which was like awesome that people were coming and giving their support and their, I don't know, it was like sympathies for lack of a better word, but like legitimate interviews came out of that. Like people were reaching out left and right. Hey, so-and-so gave me your info, heard you lost your job recently, super sorry about it, but here's this opportunity. I probably got like 10 to 15 different DMs with different sports teams um, that were looking for people. And it wasn't like, here's a job. It was, you know, we'd love to have you as part of the interview process, but that's like the first step getting your resume past the first step, you know? So it was just really cool that people stepped up and actually like put our name out there when we lost our jobs. It just really meant a lot. So it's always good to have people in your corner, especially during a tough time like that. What are you most excited about for this upcoming MLB season? I am really excited to see Shohei pitch and hit at what seems to be full health for the first time in a couple of years here. Yeah. Uh, he, I don't know if you saw like yesterday in spring training, he pitched and hit in the same game, which was like yeah. super cool. Um, so I just think that's super exciting. It's sensational, honestly. And it'll be really cool to see. Yeah, definitely. There aren't too many players out there that can pull off something like that. So yeah, not at that level, at least for sure. No, especially at the major league level. Do you have any bold predictions for the upcoming season? Like, do you think there's something that might happen or? I don't know if this is like a super bold. I think it might be a bold prediction. I think that the Padres will beat out the Dodgers in the NL West. Um, I think they're young talent. (laughs) Your eyes are, your eyes are going wide there, but I do, I do think that they have the young talent to do so. And then adding, you know, the pitchers that they've added. I know that like Dodgers have also bolstered their pitching staff as well, but oh, I yeah. think that the Padres have a good chance of upsetting them. Oh yeah. They're excited. They're an exciting team to uh, watch for sure with Tatis and uh, Machado. And actually yeah. I'm from the Boston area and they ended up scooping up, I think it was like five years ago, our announcer, Don Arcillo, and he's one of the most exciting play-by-play broadcasters in the MLB personally. So I love to watch their games, to, like still hear him call games because it's just brings another exciting element. To yeah, the absolutely. Game. So we can get into some just quick rapid fire, getting to know you questions. So what's your favorite part of living in California? Um, Definitely the availability of like different sceneries. Like you can go to the forest, the mountains, the ocean, the city, like, and it's all beautiful. Like there's no ugly part of California, in my opinion, but I think that's my favorite part of living in California. What's your favorite food? I uh, definitely changes a lot. I love food a lot, <laughs> but I, right now I think ramen is my favorite, my go-to comfort food. 
What's your favorite activity that isn't work or social media related? Uh, especially now that I live in a new city is going out and like exploring different places to eat and drink. I love finding new spots with, especially with my roommates. We go out and do that a lot. That's kind of like one of our activities. California's, they're pretty open now, right? Or they're like getting back, they're getting better. Yeah, well, they just opened up. Uh, we're in like red tier now, or that might only be a California thing, but 25% indoor dining or 20% indoor dining capacity and like outdoors been open for a little bit. Okay. Um, but yeah, they've started opening up movie theaters again and now we're going to oh, have good. fans in the stands. So that'll be cool. We're kind of at the same level over here, um, which is good. Yeah. Um, it's nice to get out there. Again. <laughs> oh, exactly. Can't wait to get to a baseball game this summer at some point. Seriously. What's your favorite TV show? So as far as like it, my go-to comfort show is New Girl. Like whenever I'm like just doing stuff around the house, that's my go-to. But I think that like my favorite show I've watched like recently, because I don't really have like an all-time favorite, is Big Little Lie. I absolutely love that show. It was really good. What's your favorite sporting event you've ever witnessed in person? I mean, it's got to be the combined no hitter. I, yeah. I haven't seen anything else. Uh, I mean, if we if we're putting that aside, it would be like Albert's milestones this year. Uh, yeah. But but the combined no hitter on the twelfth of it was july yeah yeah that was definitely like that. it oh, i can't see how that wouldn't be what's your favorite type of music or like what type of music do you like to listen to i'm a big electronic music fan so edm and then alternative would be my other one you can have a meal with one person past or present who would it be and why this is <laughs> this is a hard question for me um i think it would be lady gaga because I admire her greatly. I think she's insanely talented and just like an overall wonderful human being. Like she's never done anything. I'm just like, oh, why'd you do that? Like she's just constantly good and just seems like she has so many stories to tell. So it would be her. Being someone from the West Coast, I know you probably might have an opinion on this, but do you think In-N-Out lives up to the hype that people give it? I think there's like two sides to that argument. I think that for the price it is 100% like the, the hype is there. I don't think it's like, is, is it the best burger in the entire world? No, but it absolutely worth the price. In the fast food realm, it's definitely top tier. Okay, awesome. Because I know people that live around the country, you know, different regions, they have their own thing. Like if you're from Texas, it's Whataburger. If you're from the Southeast, it's Cookout or something like that. And, you know, they're like, oh, we have the best this and that. So I was just curious. Yeah, we still too. have... We still have a former IGC chat. It's a constant point of contention, actually. <laughs> Can start duels um, no. between people. <laughs> yeah, no, I've had Whataburger and in and out is 100% better than Whataburger, in my opinion. And what's your favorite ballpark you've been able to visit? It's funny. I actually haven't been to a lot of ballparks, which is kind of sad. Um, but I would say that I think Kaufman was my favorite just for like, it's old timey feel. I haven't been able to be like, go to like Yankee stadium or Fenway or anything like that. Yeah. So like, as far as like older ballparks go, yeah. I really enjoy Kaufman. It's definitely, um, it just has that like really like nostalgic feel to it. Kaufman is Kansas city, right? Yeah. Okay. They're going to be good. I think, I think they made some pretty good, uh, off season moves, getting Ben attendee from the Red Sox. Yeah. You know. I hope so. You... It's one of those things I started like, because I was just like, so focused on angel stuff. I was like, okay, the Royals aren't even doing good. So I just kind of ignored it for a while. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to throw out social media? If any of the listeners want to connect with you to talk about baseball or social media or different things like that? Yeah, definitely. Um, 
my Twitter is probably like my go-to. I'm terrible at checking my Instagram DMs, but my Twitter is lowplum. It's L-O-P-L-U-I-M. And my Instagram is underscore get low underscore and low is spelled L-O as well. Well, Lauren, it was awesome to have you on the show today to share about your experiences working on the media side of sports covering both collegiate and professional baseball. I think the listeners are really going to enjoy the interview. Thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you again, Lauren, for coming on the show. If you're still listening, I really enjoyed our conversation and getting to connect with another creative in the industry. If you guys want to follow Lauren on social media, I will link her social medias in the description of the show. I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode of the podcast. Next week, I will have an MLB season preview dropping on opening day. So be on the lookout for that episode. Be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it on. Leave a rating and a review. Every review helps a ton. Be sure to follow the podcast on all of its social media platforms for the most up-to-date information and content regarding the podcast. I hope you guys have a great week and I'll see you in a week with another exciting episode. Oh,